Welcome to Building the Future. I'm your host, Kevin Horick. You can check out new episodes of the show every Tuesday and Thursday at 2 p.m. If you missed an episode or want to get more information about the show, please visit buildingthefutureshow.com. Welcome back to the show. Today we have Roland Leitenberg, co-founder at House Call. Roland, welcome to the show. Nice, nice to meet you. Thanks for having me. Yeah, I'm excited to have you on the show. I think what you what you guys are doing is really interesting and, and very cool. So, but maybe before we kind of get into that, let's cover your background and kind of get to know you a little bit better. So maybe do you want to kind of start with where you grew up? Sure, sure. Um, so I, I grew up in the Bay Area. Um, I'm originally from the Netherlands. Um, my dad immigrated over here uh, when we were younger. He worked at uh, AT&T Bell Labs, and then uh, he came to Silicon Valley, did two startups, both which IPO'd, and um, so kind of I have a little bit of entrepreneur blood uh, running through me. And That's then, awesome. And um, after Silicon Valley, moved down to San Diego when I was 17, and been here ever since. So what made you move to San Diego? Uh, San Diego is for school, and it's... A different pace of life here and it's really nice and there's so much to do outdoors and activities so that just kind of drew me down sure and then obviously UC is a great school and um, I wanted to uh, you know get away from the parents but not too far sure uh, that works for great so what did you kind of take in university then uh, so my degree was actually in economics okay I wanted to find something that I could apply to a lot of different things and UCSD didn't have a business degree. And I didn't want to do computer science. So I stuck with economics, and I learned a lot. Uh, some of it I apply today, but in reality, I think college is just more an experience and just growing up and learning how to deal and cooperate with other people, uh, a little less so about the content itself. Sure. No, that, that makes a lot of sense. So you graduated um, university, then kind of what did you end up doing? Yeah, so actually, uh, back up a little bit. So in the middle uh, of my university career, I actually uh, used to play a lot of poker online. Uh, made some okay. money. And, uh, I bought a yacht. And Re- whoa, 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 wait, wait, wait a second. You you played poker online, and you and you made enough money to be able to buy a yacht. Yeah, a forty-four foot Pacifica. It's a sport fishing boat, so it's it's nice. <laughs> That's a lot awesome. Of on there. Yeah. But. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, I think um, as all money goes, is easy come, easy goes, especially when you're younger. So, sure. so how old were you when you won, when you bought this yacht? Uh, 21. Oh, wow. Yep, yep. And then moved down to Cabo, started a dive shop. So okay. I wanted to become a dive instructor and build out a, a diving empire down there. So for three years, I did that, uh, kind of in the middle. So I took a break, uh, break, a break from UCSD for a little bit to, to do that. Okay. And, uh, and then so after that, I, I realized um, you know, I didn't want to be scuba steve for the rest of my life. And <laughs> it's not really scalable. It's a services business. Sure. And, you know, it's, it's a lot of cash uh, down there, as you can imagine. Sure. Um, a lot of, um, you know, a lot of bribes and things like that. But you get to learn so many things really rapidly on your own. You know, didn't know the language, learn the language. And then I uh, thought, okay, well, you know, now it's good to finish up that degree and kind of move on to uh, bigger and better things. Sure. Okay. So you finished the degree. Then what did you get up to? Uh, after doing that, I did some small business consulting. So I'd go into people that were sole proprietors, like uh, 
lawyers, tutors, dentists, things like that. And pretty much I told them, hey, you focus on doing your trade and I'll build your business around you. So okay. I do everything from their website to their lease negotiation to their general contracting to everything, their marketing, just the whole systems. And then um, after that, I realized that wasn't scalable because I was kind of a one-man shop and I couldn't train other people to be me. Sure. And then I moved, moved on and um, did some other kind of small businesses before I joined up at Qualcomm, which is where I met my other co-founders, uh, which we finally ended up starting Health Call with. Okay. So how? what was kind of... Like, what got you guys um, talking to start House Call? So, I think um, inside of Qualcomm, we actually founded uh, Qualcomm Labs, uh, which is similar like Google Labs or sure. know, AT&T Bell Labs, a lot of those. And inside of there, we founded a project called Gimbal, G-I-M-B-A-L. And that went on to be relatively successful. It spun out of Qualcomm and its own private business now. It's doing really well. It's in the um, low-power Bluetooth um, kind of space. Okay. And we thought, okay, well, what's, you know, like any classic entrepreneur, what's, what's a problem we're all facing in that we could kind of scratch our own itch? And it was, why is it so hard to get a service provider to come to my house sure. and find a good quality person and not have to deal with carbon copy papers, not have to deal with people being late or the, uh, you know, I'm sure you, you're familiar with, hey, I'll be there sometime between 11 a.m. and 5 p.m. Yeah. And they show up at like 4, you know, 4.59 when you're right about to leave the house. Yeah. And you're like, what the heck? Um, so, uh, we, we kind of felt there were a bunch of, um, just issues in that space. And we thought that with our mobile background, uh, we could help fix it and scratch our own itch. That's, that's kind of the genesis. Sure. No, no, I make, no, that makes a lot of sense. So I, I'm curious though, kind of, you, you covered kind of briefly what it does, but how does the platform kind of, you know, like in detail work? Sure. Okay. So you can kind of think of us as open table for the home services industry. So the way that open table, I'm sure from with them is, you know, restaurants used to use a big piece of plexiglass, yep. right? And then crayons and they would draw circles for the tables and put numbers on them. They'd have like just a, a notepad and they'd keep the reservations and there was time in and time out. Sure. Um, and, and then open table came along and was like, hey, here's a piece of software that'll help you run your restaurant better. It'll do all kinds of things like payroll and time tracking and reservation handling and all these things. And at the same time, they opened up a portal or a way for any kind of someone looking to go out to a restaurant can book a time slot without having to call in to the restaurant, you know, explaining awkwardly like why you want that window seat because you're taking a girl out. <laughs> and so what we saw was, you know, that model worked really well there in, a, in an industry that was you know, kind of behind the times a little bit. And we thought the same applied in the services space. So what we went out to do is like, okay, in order to make this booking and everything seamless, we had to build some sort of a platform that we could get, you know, the carpet cleaners, the plumbers, the HVAC, the electricians, all these people to, to use. And so in order to do that, you know, we had to literally sit side by side with these companies, go into their, you know, go into their little headquarters where they had whiteboards everywhere and paper everywhere and just dream up a system that would solve a lot of their problems, make them paperless and make them mobile. So, you know, the real way that it works is there's two applications. There's House Call and there's House Call Pro. Okay. House Call is for the consumers, right, for the homeowners. Sure. That's their booking portal. And then House Call Pro is for the pros. So for like the carpet cleaners, the HVAC, the electricians, those people. So with those two together, that's how we're able to give that seamless experience. Sure. No, that's really cool. So I'm curious though, do you give the different industries um, under pro kind of a different 
user experience or, or different kind of features because the industries are a little bit different or did you find enough commonalities between the industries to just make one interface? Sure, no, that's a great point and so it's the latter. So essentially in the home services space, it's someone that executes the job at a place, right? So okay. a, a Christian will come to your house to fix your breaker. A carpet cleaner will come to your office to clean your carpet. Sure. So all those workflows are fairly similar across, you know, the 27 different verticals that, that we address. And because of that, we have a great product team. So Ian uh, Heitz, who's the CEO and also my co-founder, he, he led the initial product push. And the real way that we built it out was just sitting next to these pros, seeing how they were currently running their business, and then trying to find ways that to make it more seamless. And all these guys do the same thing. They do a service at a place. The workflow is the same. Um, there's a couple little tweaks and stuff but um, for each different industry, but those can all be accommodated by things like tags, right? So people can have different tags if you're a landscaper or if you're an HVAC person. Uh, and those, those things can help address some of the differences between the verticals. Okay. But so, no, go ahead. Sorry. Yeah, no, I was just going to say the platform's the same for all. Okay, interesting. So how did you convince a bunch of people to basically allow you to come in and kind of build a startup around the industry? Did you know some people? Did you just kind of cold call? Or how did you go about finding these businesses to kind of go and sit with and to build the product around? Sure. So here's a fun uh, growth hack tip for all the listeners out, out there. Sure. So what, we, what we did in the beginning is we made a list. So between the founders, uh, we made a list of all of our friends, and we literally exported our LinkedIn contacts, we exported our Google contacts, all of those. We sent them a quick email saying, hey, we're making it easier to get stuff done to your house. If you send us your honeydew list, we will make sure it gets done. So a lot of our colleagues that we're working with, you know, like hanging a picture or fixing a drywall, cap, drywall crack, there's, there's too many things that are just too small, but they don't bug you enough to actually pick up the phone, but they're there and it sucks. So sure. what happened was they all sent in, they started sending up their honeydew list. So then all of a sudden we got a, a, a list of a thousand jobs and we're like, okay, we've got a thousand things we can go get done now. So now let's go find people that can help us accomplish them. Interesting. So then, so then we started looking, okay, well, let's go find some good pros. So the first pros that we found were obviously the people that we use ourselves. So my plumber was the first plumber on there. Ian's maid was the first maid on there. You know, um, Interesting. Okay. So what, what happened was the initial people we already had the relationships with, and we told them, hey, we've got jobs. Can we send them to you? And they said, yeah, no problem. Of course, I'd love to, love to get some jobs. Sure. So that's how we first initially um, brought them into the platform. And once they were using the platform, I was like, okay, well, what else do you wish that you could do that you're doing right now by hand that, you know, if you had something that could do it automatically for you, what would it be? And so then we've got a whole list of different things that we should build. And then we looked at, okay, well, where are the commonalities, et cetera. And then we built a product roadmap. And so that's kind of the, the initial push. But, you know, we kind of, uh, quote, unquote, lured the first initial pros in with, hey, we're, you know, we're going to be able to give you some jobs. Um, and, and in return, like, we want to learn how you're running a business. Yeah. No, okay. So you gave them kind of initial jobs. Or you, you basically exchanged jobs for being able to job shadow them a little bit, right? And then be, you built software around their needs. Yep. Yep. So what, what we just said is that, hey, if you want to accept these jobs, you gotta, you got to use House Call Pro so we can send you them, of course. And then we start sending them jobs. And I'm like, okay, well, 
Um, you know, how would you like to send this to your coworker? Oh, you need dispatching. Oh, okay, let's figure out how to build that. So each thing is a step-by-step -step progression. Um, but we started the relationship with trust. And sure. when we proved that we could deliver and ship features quickly for them that they requested, they felt like they were special, and they are. And so we built the platform around them. That's that's very cool. So you mentioned kind of your plumber and, and your um, your co-founders made. So did you kind of just, like how many industries did you kind of launch with? Or, or did you, like how was that process before you decided to open the platform up, I guess? Or like how long or how many kind of industries or features did you decide, okay, we're ready to roll this out to other plumbers, other maids, and other kind of services like that? Sure. Uh, so we started with our core services. And so our core services really center around electricians, plumbers, handymen, maids, carpet cleaners, and window washers. Those okay. are kind of our, our main subset. So within those, you can pretty much fix anything in a, in a, in a home, uh, in most cases. Sure. And so those were the initial, initial batch. And then as we started um, rolling it out to more and more homeowners across uh, San Diego here, um, we kept it local. What we had inside of the consumer, the booking app, house call, we had a little thing on the bottom, which was, need to get something done that you don't see here, write it in here. Oh, and as soon as someone puts something in there, like, hey, I need someone to install a water heater, or I need someone to um, clean the, the filter in my pool, then they would write that in there, and they would request it. And that we, we had synced that with our hip chat, similar to Slack. Sure. And then we'd, we'd all see that request, and then we'd you know, go find a good pool guy, call him up and say, hey, we've got clients here that, you know, need some help cleaning pools. Uh, would you like to become a part of our platform? Uh, you, you accept the job through House Call Pro, and would you like to get started? And so that's kind of how we started to grow it. So it's the consumer demand that helped us kind of explore what, what categories we needed. Interesting. So you basically, yeah, okay. So you added, you added industries as clients were requesting their services, and then you go to them and say, look, I have jobs here. Do you want them? But you have to use our platform. That's that's actually really interesting. It makes a lot of sense. It's that's that's really cool. So when yep. you reached out to somebody, obviously some of these people are probably technical and completely non-technical and probably everywhere in between that. So did you have to kind of train them on how to use House Call? Or I, I guess House Call Pro? Yeah, so I would say you're right and there's a direct correlation between age and tech savviness. Um, but at the same point, some people just required a little more help, a little more training than others. Okay. And what that allowed us to do is to design the product to be easy enough to use for the lowest common denominator, for lack of a better word. Oh, sure. Because if you're able to make it so simple that even people that are that have been you know using pen and paper for the last 20 years can use it, then you know anyone can use it. And at the same time, is if the technicians aren't using the house called Pro App, then the whole system falls apart. Right. So you have to design it to be simple and easy to use. And because we went mobile first, we had no, there was no web backend, there was no web portal, there was nothing. There is now, but there wasn't when we first started. It really forced us to focus on how can we roll out these features in a really clear, succinct, easy to learn way, mobile first. And that's, sure. what, that's what helped us win. Because even if, even if you're older, you're using a mobile phone. Yeah, you're for sure. About, you're using it yourself. Uh, we're on iOS and Android, which covers, you know, 99% or who knows what the real stat is, but pretty much might as well be sure. uh, of the market. And so someone's got a phone. These guys, they're out and about working. They get all their job calls through there. They look at all their emails. So it's a natural part of the process already. 
No, that makes makes a lot of sense. So I'm curious then, how do you guys monetize this? Sure. So uh, similar to someone like OpenTable, there's a uh, subscription fee on the House Call Pro side. So in order to use our software, you're paying a monthly SaaS fee. And okay. the way that that works is we say, hey, there's no contract. It's month to month. You get to use our system. By the way, for owner-operators, for single people, the app is completely free. Okay. If you have one to ten employees, we, there's a grow plan, the kind of the mid-range, and then we have, you know, ten-plus employees. And so they'll either fall in one of those three buckets. So we say, hey, look, there's a subscription fee just to use the platform. Uh, and then if you happen to get jobs through the house call platform, there's also a 10% referral fee. Okay. So the way that, that works is if it's a new job originating from a house call customer who's our, who's our customer, then we take 10% for the life of that customer. If they use the platform with their own customers, obviously it's not fair to take any percent. So we say, hey, there's no charge because we didn't refer you anyone. So there's, there's, no, there's no charge to use it for that. Interesting. So it, so it sounds like you've had a bunch of people from a bunch of different industries almost just move basically their previous clients and then the stuff you like you refer to them all into house call. That's right. Yeah, so what we say is like, look, homeowners and consumers are already used to using apps like Uber and Lyft sure. and uh, TaskRabbit, all these different kinds of things that are out there. And they are used to like a really good end-to-end -end experience where you can see the car coming on the way, you can see the picture of your driver, there's a credit card list checkout, right, because your credit card is right. input into the app. There's all these things that consumers are used to. Wouldn't it be great, you, Joe the plumber, if you could offer that same Uber-like experience with your clients? How would you like to do that? And that's what gets them to jump. And they sign up, they look at our platform, and now they're differentiating between their competitors in the area. So now they can tell all their clients, hey, by the way, if you ever need me to come out again and service that water heater, you can just find me right there in the house call app. You just book me and I'll be right there. Interesting. So it just gives them the ability to offer what others can't. And that's been one of the ways that we've grown so rapidly. Sure. So are you basically collecting data on the different types of people to basically say, you know, you're this far away based on traffic, you'll potentially get to the location in, I don't know, 20 minutes or something. And the type of job that they're requesting usually takes you 20 minutes. So you could potentially be at your next place, you know, X amount of time later. Like you could probably more accurately at some point give them really instead, like you said earlier, like I'll be here, you know, between 10 and 10 and five, you know, Monday to Friday. Right. And people have to wait for days or weeks or whatever. Right. So are, are you guys collecting that kind of data or at some point thinking about doing that? Yeah, we have all kinds of really fun data. So if you actually look at what we did in our previous lives over at Qualcomm, uh, one of the things that we uh, are experts in is location technology. Okay. And the interesting thing is that when uh, a pro is using Help Call Pro, we're collecting and able to show the GPS location of the truck to the homeowner. So obviously, you know, we know where the pro is. We know what job he's doing. We know what it closes out at. There's all kinds of great uh, metadata that we can work with in the future to provide recommended booking windows, you know, recommended right. uh, arrival windows, all those components. Right now, if you're in the booking app, if the pro so chooses to be, they can put themselves on demand, which means, you know, there's two options. You can either go on demand or schedule. 
If you need someone right now, you click the on-demand button and it shows you how far away he is from your house. So live. If you want to schedule in the future, you can just schedule. Right? Then, then location is a little less relevant. But this already surfaced within our app. Okay. So, so basically, if I normally work like, I don't know, Monday to Friday, 9 to 5, and I decide that I'm you know, not busy this Saturday and I want to work, I can just say I'm on demand this Saturday, that kind of thing? Or like I'd have to do that on Saturday morning, for example. Yeah, I mean, you can leave yourself on schedule. So if someone contacts you, say, you know what, I can get you in on Saturday or Sunday. Don't sure. work on the weekend. Okay, great. That works. Then on Saturday morning, if you want to go on demand, turn on the on-demand switch. Yeah, and that's what awesome. happens is in, in some of the categories, it's more prevalent than others. So, for example, plumbing, right? My, my toilet's clogged. Holy sure. shit. Like, we got to get someone over here right away. Boom, click a button. Or locksmith. Sure. Sometimes maid cleaning, especially near the universities, right? Parents are coming over. <laughs> we just had a party. So, you get a lot of those kind of bookings. So, some categories lend itself better. Uh, you know, you're not really going to insta book an HVAC installation that's going to cost you $8,000. It's going to be a little more purchase in time. You're going to get someone to come out, find the right unit. So those ones typically aren't. So it's different for each category, but yeah, as a pro, you can turn it on and off at any time. Okay, interesting. So you mentioned something interesting there. How do you handle the ones where, like you said, where like a water heater or something where somebody has to come out, kind of give an estimate, and then the job will probably get performed, you know, later in the future after that? Do you guys kind of handle that as well? Yeah, it, it all goes to how called pro. So remember, they're using this to schedule and plan all of their jobs. Okay. Not just jobs that come through the system. So it's just a natural extension of them using our software. Okay. So in our software, you can do estimates. In our software, you can handle work orders. In our software, you can handle events. So you can do like an event that's like pick up water heater, send it to, you know, Jim, my, my uh, like learning technician to go pick up the water heater. That's an event. I'll send that over to him. And then I'll send over the estimate to the homeowner, get them to approve it digitally and sign off through our platform. And then once that's there, I'll take the deposit so I can buy at Home Depot so I don't have to float a couple grand on my credit card. Sure. And then, and then I'm going to dispatch the installation over to my other technician uh, on a different day. And then it's all clean and it's all done within the app. Okay. So you mentioned that you launched with Android and iOS and, you, and then you mentioned you guys launched a web interface um, after that. So how long did it take you to build the Android and iOS version and then decide to launch? Uh, I mean, we launched uh, before we'd like to admit because if you launch a product that you think is finished, you could be building forever. For sure. So when we first launched, we first launched iOS. That was, that was the first one. Okay. iOS to iOS. And then very quickly thereafter, we launched Android. Okay. And then after that, we kept iterating on iOS and Android. So really, it was uh, four clients. So there's an iOS client for the homeowner, an Android client for the homeowner, an Android client for the pro, and an iOS client for the pro. Okay. So four platforms already, plus our backend. So that's really five, five different um, code bases. Sure. And then, uh, and then what we did was we started noticing, okay, now that we've got these owner operators, these smaller guys on board, we want to start moving up the moving up the food chain a little bit and helping companies that maybe have ten trucks on the road. So now it's, we got to the point where our bread and butter is the one to 10 truck operators. Right. Not to say, like I would say our biggest client has 700 HVAC trucks. So we can work for huge companies. 
and obviously they save a ton of money there at the high end. It's just the implementation process takes longer. So our typical workflow is when we're looking for leads on the internet or doing our marketing, we're looking for the one to ten person company. They got multiple trucks on the road. They maybe have a dispatcher or an admin, someone that handles the phones at the office, maybe an accountant or someone that handles the finance on the office, and the owner that sometimes goes out the job. And maybe they have you know three or four guys that are out there running around in the trucks, and then a couple you know lackeys or you know a couple guys that are just learning the the trades, apprenticing, and then so they sit underneath that. That's that's kind of our, our our core. But we built the web portal in order to accommodate that because once you run them to that size, you have someone sitting in the office and you don't want them being on the phone the entire time because sure. there still is limited real estate and you don't want to overcomplicate the app uh, in favor for the dispatchers when they could just be doing it from a web portal because they're in front of a computer anyway. Sure. No, that, that makes a lot of sense. So uh, I'm curious then, are you guys still actively recruiting kind of people like, you know, technicians and, and, and that side? Yeah, so we, we focus 100% on, on building out House Call Pro okay. and acquiring pros across the nation. So we have pros in over 1,300 cities now as of last week. Wow, that's awesome. So, it, and you you guys have only been around for what, just over almost three years now? Is that correct? So we got founded in the summer of 2013. Okay. And then we launched uh, House Call and House Call Pro nationwide January of 2015. Oh, so wow. It's been, been 13 months, really, since we've been out nationwide out and about. Yeah, that's awesome. So I'm curious then, do you ever spend any time trying to recruit homeowners to use the service or, or not really? Nope, we spend no efforts on recruiting homeowners. The, the pros evangelize House Call, the booking app, because it makes it easier for their homeowners to book them. So the way that we grow is just by finding the pros, finding the ones that want to offer that uber-like experience to their homeowner and offer that to them. And so we, we spend no time or money doing any marketing for a homeowner. It's all organic. Sure. No, that makes a lot of sense. That's kind of what I figured, but I was kind of curious to know if you were spending any time on that side of things. So yeah. what would you say you've kind of, what were your kind of biggest challenges that you might have thought were were, were pretty simple and, and then kind of vice versa that? Were there things that you thought were simple or, sorry, that were were that you thought would be difficult that were kind of simple? Uh, okay, well, here's, here's one. So when we first launched House on a House Call Pro, we launched it as an on-demand-only platform. Okay. And, and that was something that we thought was really simple. Like, why wouldn't anyone just want to schedule a maid right now or schedule a plumber right now sure. or schedule an electrician right now? But what happens is uh, people still aren't thinking of the space in that way. When, when you think oh, I need to get a taxi to go from point A to point B, you need it now. Right. And you think about it in terms of, I need one now. But when you think about an electrician, you're like, well, you know what? Um, you know, Billy's got soccer practice at 8, and then i got to drop Janet off at uh, ballet, and then I've got time for the electrician to get here at 10, and he, he'll probably be here for a couple hours. So people in their head are thinking, okay, I want someone to come on Saturday sure. at 10 o'clock. And so when they would go into our app, they'd be like, wait, I can't schedule anyone. I've got to click them right here, right now. What happens is when time rolls around on Saturday, they're not thinking about, oh, now I click the button now at 10 a.m. because they're not used to it. Right. So when we first launched, we quickly figured, okay, you know what? I think some of those service categories, like I mentioned earlier, right, like the locksmith or 
uh, the plumbing, work really great for that model because you do need someone right there and right there. Right. But a lot of them are scheduled. So my maid comes every two weeks. You know, I'm not going to click her on demand unless the in-laws are coming or something. Right. So, so it's just, that was a, a kind of, I wouldn't say an oversight. It just comes with building a product and looking at the response of the users and carefully figuring out what it is, what they're really thinking or what they want to do. And so that, that was definitely like a challenge of ours. And really quickly we learned, okay, people want to be able to schedule stuff. And so we built that. Right. So I'm assuming then I can do kind of reoccurring stuff like I can say every two weeks send the maid? Yep. Okay. Interesting. So is there any other kind of challenges or things that you kind of learned along the way that, you know, you didn't really see coming? Yeah. I thought that, um, and although this might seem obvious in, in hindsight, okay. it, there's not a lot of activity around keyword searches on the internet for field service software. So if you were to ask a carpet cleaner, hey, are you looking for field service software? They'll be, what the hell is that? I don't even know what's going on. Nor would they even know to really go into the browser and type in, I'm looking for field service software. And it's, it's not a slight to carpet cleaners, just they're not thinking about that. What they're actually thinking is like, man, I really wish I could go paperless. Man, I really wish I could take credit cards down the field. Man, I really okay. wish I could send jobs over to Billy without Billy getting lost. And so what it really becomes is more an education play rather than bidding on a bunch of keywords. Because if you take a look at carpet cleaning software, for example, you can use SEM Rush or whatever tool you want. Go look at it and see what the search volume is for. It's very low. So it's not um, a, a good or easy channel um, to go after and find these pros to tell them about your software. You really need to build content around what it means to run your business, what it means to run a paperless business, what it means to be effective uh, with digital marketing, all those components that they're curious about and that they want to learn, but they might not know what they want yet. So it's, uh, that was definitely, definitely a learning thing and thing, something that we're always struggling with is how do we amplify our, our voice and get in front of these professionals that need what we have but aren't necessarily looking for it. Yeah, that that's actually really interesting. I, 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 it makes it makes a lot of sense, and I think, you know, kind of being in technology and and just kind of doing this stuff every day, we we kind of take for granted sometimes. Like, well, why aren't they just googling this thing? But you're right. Like, in any kind of industry or pe any professional that I know that's kind of doing stuff in in kind of the spaces that you guys are playing, and you're right, they just search for yeah, I want to take payments up online, and and they end up having you know ten or twelve or more tools that they're all paying these like monthly subscriptions for that just do certain parts of the thing that complicate their entire workflow and and that you're bringing in you know you're basically replacing those dozen tools with your one app and I, I love that idea yeah no that's exactly what it is and another fun thing too just for your listeners to think about is you know some people will say oh there's all these great LinkedIn hacks and it might be true if you're selling software to a VP of marketing because people will go on LinkedIn and say they're VP of marketing for Fortune 1000, or you can use Mattermark and okay. find those people really easily. But I, I dare any of you guys right now to go look on LinkedIn and see how many people say that they're a master tech plumber on LinkedIn, or even a carpet cleaner on, on, on LinkedIn. There's, there's much fewer than there actually are. And the reason is, is because, you know, they're just different digital citizens, and that's the core issue what makes it this is a really interesting and fun space to try to crack, which makes it also really hard, which is why there's not a lot of people, or there are a lot of people trying to go after it, but it's not easy. Uh, and that's really the, 
the draw that we're trying to trying to solve here. Sure. So I, I'm curious for to give any other kind of tips or advice for kind of how to crack these kind of traditional non like I guess these the types of industries you're dealing with aren't known for having these crazy online profiles and presences. Is there any other kind of tips that you have for kind of not necessarily cracking the industries that you guys are playing in, just the industries that, you know, where people aren't really necessarily online? Sure. sure. So the best thing to do is sit down with one of your customers and say, hey, how did you learn about this? Or how did you learn about us? Or where do you go to educate yourself about your industry? And what will often happen is just by talking to your own customer, they will actually just sit there and tell you exactly where you can find them. doesn't mean that they're going to tell you that's easy. Uh, in our case, for example, there's a great forum online called Truck Mount Forum. Okay. And when you want to be a carpet cleaner, you know, you need to figure out what truck mount do you get for your van. So you Google Truck Mount Forums and, oh, my gosh, here's a community of everyone talking about all kinds of different truck mounts. Oh, so interesting. Unless you ask a customer that, I'm not a carpet cleaner. I would have never thought of that. I had no idea. So as a general tip for all kinds of listeners is take one of your customers or a handful of your customers, ask them, hey, where do you find us? Where, where, do, you, where do you learn about new stuff? And in our case, for example, a lot of stuff happens in the real world. A lot of these guys go to B&I meetings. Uh, for those of you that don't know what it is, look it up. Because if you're in the home services space, that's a great space to find people. If, like our, our industry, for example, they go to a lot of trade shows. There's a bunch of, there's, there's HVAC trade shows all across the U.S. There's carpet cleaning trade shows all over the U.S. where people come and they show off their equipment. A lot of it because they do work that's physical and out in the field, they have to show a physical product. They need a, need a floor, floor space. So you only learn about that and you only learn what shows to go to because we asked our, our carpet cleaners, hey, what are the top five shows that you go to every year? And they say, we don't go to five. There's only two. Okay, great. Well, what are those two? Oh, it's this one and this one. Oh, great. We'll build a presence there. Interesting. And uh, it just it all goes back to talk to your customers. Sure. So, at, okay, so let, just for example here, you had a uh, customer tell you that they go to these two trade shows. Have you, have you bought in a booth there or do you just go and kind of network with people or have you done both? Or are, I'm kind of curious, once you go to these things, how big of a presence have you found successful or not successful, I guess? Sure. So as with anything marketing, everything is hard to measure and to attribute. But when we do go to the trade show, we make sure that everyone we talk to goes straight into our lead funnel is properly attributed. And when it comes to marketing, multi-touch is also very important, especially when you're doing a lot of education. So it might not be the first time that they even heard about you. They might have seen you in a forum, or they might have read about you in a trade publication, or they might have just read some content on our site that was like how to build a website or how to build a business card. And so each point you need to measure. So when you go to a trade show, for example, when we first started, we would go guerrilla style, and we would not get a booth, and we would just walk around in our T-shirt, and it's an app, and we would just go shake people's hands and say, hey, take a look at this. Can you, like, I need your advice. What, what can we do better? And when you come at that angle, everyone always wants to give you advice. Everyone always wants to put in their two cents. And then all of a sudden, you have a captive audience, and you didn't have to pay anything. Um, and then we figured out, okay, now that we have a little bit more presence, what does a booth cost? And we say, okay, let's say a booth costs $2,000. And we need to fly two people out there, so the all-in cost is $4,000. And now we look at, okay, well, how many leads do we need to get? And what's the conversion between lead to demo to enrollment? 
and then you figure out, okay, is the lifetime value of the people that you enrolled greater than the cost of the show? If so, yes, then keep doing it and do it more. If not, are there other externalities that are immeasurable, such as brand building or customer relationship building, that you can also tack some value on um, to put it on there, especially when you're starting out? If so, then even if it isn't initially quite profitable, still do it. Um, take a look, because there's, there's no better way to get the word out than face-to-face, -face, especially when you're selling software to you know, a more traditional industry, whether it's the home services, whether it's like the beauty and salon space, whether it's, I mean, all, all kinds of face-to-face -face -face businesses. Sure. No, no, that's really good advice. So there's one thing you mentioned that, that I found interesting is, okay, so you said kind of from lead and then you give them a demo. How do you kind of give them a demo? Because... If you meet them at a trade show, do you give them a demo right then and there? Do you schedule kind of a follow-up call? Or, or how do you guys kind of do the demo process? Or is it a little bit of both? Uh, a little bit of both. Okay. And like everything that's hard, everything's fluid. Some people, you can get their credit card right on the spot and rolled and up and running in one conversation. Really? Interesting. Some people need to say, hey, you know what? Uh, my wife, who's my boss, who really runs the show, I just do the dirty work. She gets to do the stuff, fun stuff. She's the one that needs to see it. So let's let's schedule a follow-up call. Okay. So then there's a follow-up call. And some people, maybe we met them, we showed them briefly, but they might have not had any interest at that time because maybe they were going to the trade show to learn about the new Trust Mount Pro Chem thing that's getting released. And they, sure. they didn't really even know. They didn't even know they were going to get, you know, talk to you about software. Then those guys go into just a lead funnel. They get nurtured with different marketing content. And at a certain point, when they have enough touches, then we reach out to them and say, hey, you know what? Remember, we met at the trade show. Would you have 30 minutes to just do a screen share? Because it's easy to talk about software, but if I can show you on my screen what it would look like for your business, I think you'd get a lot of value out of it. And that's what we did. Okay, interesting. And you, you, you convert, obviously, it sounds like you have a pretty good conversion rate on that. Yes. Yeah. yeah, so our, our, our enrollment rate um, you know, hovers anywhere between 60 to 75% of people on the first demo. Wow, so we, we that's really, really hard on our sales process. Well, uh, a lot of that's attributed to marketing and getting them in the right buying phase and letting, making them realize that it's something they need before they even show up. Because when they show up, then you're just showing them how they would use it. And you're just showing the value. Because a lot of these guys, they've got something that keeps them up at night. And when you can dissect what that is, if you show them the one thing that your software does that will help them not stay up at night, then it's a done deal. Why would they not use it? There's, there's no objection to that. So sure. that's, uh, you know, so I, I'm so curious, I'm, I'm curious then you say the the one thing that keeps them up at night, do you find that in the same industry, like maids, for example, or electricians or plumber, do you find they have the same issue or are they different? There's a ton of overlap in each different vertical. Uh, there definitely is. And in each vertical, there are specific things that come up more often than not, for sure. And okay. that's, I mean, you know, we've got over 27 categories that we officially show, but there's, we've got so many different people using our system. They all have different issues. Okay. No, that, that makes a lot of sense. That, that's, um, that's, that's quite interesting. It, it gets me thinking about kind of the whole strategy and kind of how you handle onboarding people in kind of a non-traditional tech industry. The, the other thing that I'm curious about is it seems like these industries are pretty open to kind of add technology into their workflow. Do you find that just because they, they kind of know that they need to or they really are starting to see the value and how much time and effort and kind of 
lower you can lower their stress level by using this technology uh it's really the latter so in the end of the day no one wants to work a ton of hours and then have nothing left for their friends and family and their hobbies right so if you go in there and you say hey look what's the most important thing to you oh it's going to billy soccer practices every single saturday well what if i could show you something that would make it so that you could coach his team every single day of the week and see his game on saturday and then all of a sudden, the conversation isn't so much about, like, is technology the right thing to do right now, yes or no? How does it work? Like, how do you click the button? Because it's not about that. But if you can tell them, hey, this will solve that stress or the ability that you're not maybe there for your kids, or maybe you want to take an extra long vacation, or maybe you just love to surf and you'd love to spend an extra three hours in the water every morning. And once you identify that, then the technology kind of fades into the background. And the way that we've designed Health Call Pro is that it doesn't, it's not something that's constantly bugging you. It's only something that comes into play when you need to get stuff done and it helps you to automate all the mundane tasks you would normally do, like texting a customer you're on the way or sending them a receipt digitally or attaching a PDF and allowing them to book online. There's all of those things that you had to do by hand add up to a lot of time. Sure. We say, hey, look, we're just, we're just giving you some of your time back. Is that valuable to you? Yeah, okay, great. Well, let's talk. Let me show you how. So I'm curious to know how do you like how do you ask the question what's their pain point or, or how do you like how do you bridge that like do you have any good advice on kind of opening lines or or lines that you use to kind of intrigue or pique people's interest when you're you know meeting people Kevin it sounds like you you do a lot of interviews there must be a lot of editing things that go in the background if you could get rid of one thing that you do every single time you interview someone like me like what would you do with that time what would it be? It's interesting. Yeah. No, really. There's something you do over and over. I know there is. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. You solved there... the booking. You solved the booking issue, right? You sent me a Calendly link. Yeah. So there's a free version of Calendly. There's also a paid version. I don't know which version you're on. I pay. I pay but, for it. But yeah. Yeah, I feel for it too. It's awesome. My whole self team uses it. It's the greatest tool ever. I think we talked about that too when we were both. Yeah, we did. But, I, I love that thing. Yeah. But there must there was a pain point there at some point. You're probably like, man, scheduling these meetings with all these different people because I'm interviewing so many people, it just takes so much back and forth. And I don't know their calendar. They don't know my calendar. And I wish it would just go automatically. Totally. And all of a sudden, you're forking over $10 a month. Yep. So, right place, right time, solving a pain point. I think that probably kept you up at night, or at least you were thinking about it. Man, For I got to sure. schedule these meetings somehow. Um, and you bought the software. Yeah, no, you're totally right. That makes a lot of sense. It's interesting, right? Like, you, you got me thinking about this, and I think you'll get the listener thinking about this stuff as well. And I, I love the angle. Like, you guys come at it at, at like a different angle than I think most people approach um, sales, kind of marketing. And kind of going after a, an industry that's not really known for being a tech industry, right? Mm -hmm. not, yep. I, I think that's awesome. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But like anything, everything always changes. So uh, as we as we continue to grow, we continue to learn, and uh, we continue to refine our methods over and over again. So once you find something that works, just double down, and then go try some more things and double down on those. I, I, that's really good advice because I, I think in a lot of cases it's it's very much almost like trial and error. You see what works, what doesn't work, and you, you just kind of, you know, eventually you get it down so perfect that you could just like, okay, quickly figure out is what space this person's in. Okay, in this space, 
this kind of, you know, these kind of topics or questions or, or whatnot kind of work. So let's go that way. And then, you know, you just kind of figure it out. It's interesting. It's kind of a little bit of a game, I guess, is the best way to put it. Yeah, I mean, for the salespeople, for the onboarding people that we call, we call them onboarding specialists here. Okay. It's keep, every single interaction with the person is different. And that also keeps things really interesting. Because if you're just doing screen shares with someone and you're just going through each feature over and over again, day in, day out, many times per day, uh, it's a grind. Sure. But if you look at it a different way and you say, hey, you know what? This person came to me because they have some sort of problem. Okay, what's their problem? Let's figure it out. Let's build some personal rapport. You know, at the end of the day, people are going to buy stuff from people that they like. Sure. And if you show interest in what keeps them up and you've got a solution for them and you've built some rapport, there's, there's almost no reason why they would go with anything else. And they will let go of other things they put together. You know, they spend a lot of time putting together Google Calendar plus Square plus QuickBooks plus Infusionsoft and all these tools. And all of a sudden, like, their monthly bill, you know, they're paying 500 bucks a month. And you're like, look, I've got a tool. It's going to make it way more simple. It's going to save you a bunch of time, a bunch of money. Let me show it to you. I think it's going to help. And then, okay, sure. Check it out. And that's, that's how it works. No, that's awesome, dude. But uh, sadly, we're running out of time. So maybe let's close the show with, um, again, kind of maybe quickly talking about exactly what you guys do and then promoting where people can find you guys online and any other social media links? Yeah, sure. So people can follow us. Uh, we're all over social media. You can follow us at House Call on Twitter as well as on Instagram. We have a great Facebook page. You can find us there. But more importantly, if you want to get a hold of us, just go to our webpage. It's tryhousecall.com, T-R-Y, housecall.com. We're always looking for talented individuals. So if you happen to like the industry that we're working in and you've got some experience in the home services space, please take a look at the jobs that we have. We're a startup. We're young. We're in San Diego. So nice place to live. Happy to answer any questions. Perfect, man. Well, um, I really appreciate you taking the time out of your day to be on the show and do this. It was really awesome. And, you know, it got me really thinking about some stuff. So, you know, I'm uh, happy you, you did this and I look forward to staying in touch with you and kind of following and see where you guys go in the future. Sounds good, Kevin. Happy to share tips later down the road. Perfect, man. Well, um, well, you have a good day and we'll talk soon. All right. Take okay. care. Bye. Thanks for listening. The music for the show is done by Electric Mantra. You can check them out at electricmantra.com and keep building the future.